Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real, goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk with the return of the one, the only, the always effervescent, Andrew. Welcome back, Andrew. How we doing? How we doing? We're good, man. 62 episodes in. Crazy, right? Wild as shit. Wild as shit. Time flies, dude. It's almost like yesterday we were on a Zoom call, you, me, and Johnny, doing this doing this damn thing because we were bored as hell during COVID. And here you we know are. what? Any kid that was born that day, any kid that was born that day is not a year and a half old. They're 63 episodes old. That's how we're going to refer to 62 that episodes kid. Old. 62, 62 episodes, episodes old. If you were born old. on, I think it was like April 21st. If you were born on April 21st, 2021. 20, 2020. 22. Well, 20, 20. Uh, uh, yeah. If you were born on April 21st, 2020, you were officially a real take baby. And you are 62 episodes old. You're 62 episodes old. And however old uh, the how. Yeah. Yeah. You guys get it. Anyway, welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real goes right. So much to talk about. We got Aaron Rodgers caught lying to the NFL. Potential repercussions about that. We'll also talk about uh, what the effect of him not being there on Sunday is going to have after he tested positive. The Braves winning the World Series, which Andrew is going to be uh, very glad to talk about. Uh, we're also going to be talking about other news from the NFL. Andrew will ask you some questions about the Knicks and how their future is going to be. OBJ potentially not going to be a Brown for much longer college football rankings and much, much, much more. But before we get to any of that, please, please, please. Hit that like button. It helps out the algorithm. It helps the channel grow. Subscribe if you haven't already and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Andrew, let's kick things off with a topic that is close, near and dear to both of our hearts, but and one that we feel actually quite different about because of the circumstances behind it. Uh, so let's get to it. The Atlanta Braves are now World Series champions. Their first World Series win since the year of our Lord, 1995. There's been a lot of talk about the Braves throughout the season. They they lost a lot of their key players, but they made big, big, big time moves to save their season at the trade deadline, unlike my Nats. And here they are. They beat the Astros in six games. Jorge Soler won the MVP. He played lights out in this entire series. Andrew, I'm just going to start with the obvious. We'll get to how your personal feelings are about this, but what does this win mean for the city of Atlanta, for for this specific Braves team, and what got them to this point? Well, for Brian Snitker, their coach, he's been, I think they were alluding to it last night, he's been doing it either 30 or 40 years. Like he's been with that organization. He was coaching minor league ball for so long. He got the, um, when I think it was Gonzalez was the old manager. He got the promotion when Gonzalez, they let Gonzalez go. And I feel good for him. You know what? He's, he's, he's paid his dues and everything like that. And it's about time. He got it. Same thing with Ron Washington. Ron Washington's their third base coach. Ron Washington. Do you know how many times I watched Ron Washington? Ron Washington was one out away from being a world champion with the Texas Rangers before the St. Louis Cardinals decided to be the luckiest team in baseball and come back, hit a game tying, then hit a game winning, and then go back the next night to win the World Series. So I was happy for those guys. Some of the other guys, you know, um, the uh, they, they overcame a lot of adversity. Freddie Freeman, listen, as much as any fan of a National League East team that's not the Braves, 
you know, they all kind of have to hate each other. Freddie Freeman has to be the most likable player, like, yeah, ever. Like, he, you can't hate him. Like, if you even watch, like, the documentary that ESPN made about him, the short one, the, mm-hmm. you can't hate him. Like, he's overcome so much. He's a class act dude. Really good, really good baseball player. He's, he, how would I describe him as, like, a baseball player? He's, like, he's he's not chirpy, but at the same time, he can energize you. Um He's a he's a player who hits for average. He's will so still hit he's, thirty home runs. Like he's he, so charismatic, and his and his aura is almost infectious on the team. I, I totally get what you mean. Yeah, like he's he's not an outspoken guy, but at the same mm-hmm. time, he energizes you without saying a word. He's he's just personally, I would love to have him on our team. Unfortunately, we already have Pete Alonso, the polar bear, who's the future. So that dude's gonna get paid this offseason, though. Um, I know. I was pissed off at Joe Buck for saying in uh, what could be his final at bat with the Atlanta Braves when he hit that home run. I pissed off at Joe Buck for saying that. Cause it's like, yo, well, let, let ev- the Braves everyone, fans enjoy it. Everyone gets pissed off at Joe Buck for everything. Deservedly Every word so. That comes out of his mouth. <laughs> Hats but off yeah. to the Braves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hats off to the Braves. This is a team that's going to be defined, and this whole season for them is going to be defined. Uh, according with adjustments that they made after key players went down with injury, acquiring all those pieces, acquiring people like Soler, who who came through big time in 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 the biggest moment again the World Series. I think that is going to define this team. They did such a great job against honestly, we'll talk about them in a minute. They, this Houston Astros team, which was a great team, with Sons cheating, whatever, they were a great team. And they were still the underdogs. A lot of people thought this Braves team was going into it. They were still able to pull out the win versus Houston. You got to give them their props. Uh, and now, Andrew, I believe it's your turn to not give them their props and tell us how you honestly feel about this because there's some. I know there's some bitter feelings. People uh, probably know this. Longtime watchers of the show or listeners of the show will know this. I'm a Nats fan. You're a Mets fan. We do. We are not inclined to like the Atlanta Braves at all. I hate the Atlanta Braves. However, for me, this entire series, I had to just just basically eat my peas, whatever you want to say, because I would I'd be damned if the Houston Astros, after what they did a few years ago, I'll be damned if they're gonna come back a few years later. I'm gonna have to hear Astros fans say, "Oh, well, we won the series anyway." Like two years later, I'll be damned if I was gonna hear that. No, 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 no. The thing is, I think a lot of people came around this Braves team specifically. Most of America actually came around this Braves team, whether you liked the Braves or you didn't. They came around this team specifically because they were playing the Houston Astros. It'd be a completely different story if they were playing the Yankees, completely different story if they were playing the Red Sox, whoever. But the Houston Astros are just so toxic in the realm of baseball that any team that goes up against them is automatically now America's team. Um, I know you feel a little differently than I do, and I understand how you feel, but tell the people how this makes you feel as a Mets fan. So I saw something on Twitter today. I sent it to the group chat. Since the year 2000, I was born in 1996. Since the year 2000, I had to watch... The Marlins win in 2003. The Phillies win in 2008. The Nationals win in 2019. And now Atlanta win in 2021. The Marlins have not been back to the World Series 
since 2003. The Phillies have not been back to the World Series since 2009 when they lost to the Yankees. Mm. The Nationals went once, only once, and won it in 2019. Atlanta has been knocking at the door. They finally finished the job. Have not been to the World Series since 1999. I'll get into that too. Atlanta won it. And in that time period, my Mets have been there twice and lost both times since the year 2000. First time, Yankee dynasty. All right, we got a pass for that. No one was beating that. Yep. That's why, hence, hence the dynasty. Um, the second time, though, Jerry's still out. I still think the Royals are cheating. Um, it's 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 solely speculation. But uh, how are the Royals so, so was, cheating again? How are they there cheating? Was, so so there was some speculation. There were some tweets that came out from a credible source a few months ago. Who he later deleted his tweets afterwards. Uh, he was uh, one of the dudes who started bringing up the whole spider tax stuff, talking about how uh, pitchers oh. velos and a lot of their. He was mentioning well, how like everyone's cheating. 2015 was the first year that the Royals did introduce a uh, a little a little film room that was uh right next to the dugout, uh very accessible to players and everything like that. So mm. the jury's still out on uh, whether they actually used it in game. I don't know. Jury's still out on that. But yeah, there was that. As a Mets fan, um, I wasn't happy to see that given um the way the last like twenty something years has gone. Uh, twenty years of failure. You know what? Also found out today from listening to sports talk radio. Since the Mets last won a championship in 1986, you know how many times they've been to the playoffs since 1986? Can I guess? Yeah, guess. I'm going to say five times. Six. Okay. In a 30... since, since 1986. That's bad. All right. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I just thought about that. Talk about yeah. down bad, right? <laughs> and in that span, and in that span, all their division rivals have won championships, except them. That's pretty bad. It's it's horrendous for you. I feel bad. I, I look. I don't know what to say to you. Like, I think. Look, if I was in your position, if the Nats had not won that World Series, that that amazing World Series run we had in 2019, if we didn't win that, I might actually feel the same way you do. That that might have been the only thing that would have trumped my hate, my absolute disgust for the Houston Astros. But we didn't, so I don't. <laughs> but so like that—that's the thing for me. Um, last when I found this... out that Patty oh, Mahomes, ahead. when I found out that Patty Mahomes became a part owner of mm-hmm. the Kansas City Royals, which is where uh, Jorge Soler came from, I remember tweeting at this man. Of course, he didn't acknowledge it, but I tweeted at Patrick Mahomes, and I basically told him, "I'm like, listen, Pat, we know you're a lifelong Mets fan. We know that even though you are a part owner of the Royals." Um, the Mets is still clear, near and dear, close to your heart. His father was a member of the, the team that went to the World Series True. in 2000, everything like that. True. I basically told him well, the, the day after he became an owner, I was like, hey, man, listen, I want Jorge Soler in Queens by next week. <laughs> he didn't do it. <laughs> so who do we blame for the Mets' failure this year? Everyone. Patrick Mahomes. Everyone affiliated. Oh, everyone. Everyone affiliated. The GM, in- <laughs> the, GM the owner. The coaching's to everyone. Just everyone. Uh, last question about the World Series, Andrew. What does this do for the Houston Astros? What does this mean for them, their legacy, and Astros fans out there? Well, number one, uh, they have a decision to make because there's a particular uh, there's a particular golden boy from uh, the Houston Astros that's entering free agency 
and he literally only signed a one-year contract with them so that he could enter free agency after this season. Mm-hmm. And basically, even though Altuve is the heart and soul of that team, we all know who the best player of that team is, who the face kind of has been uh, in Carlos Correa. Yep. And basically, given the tainted legacy that they're going to have, Losing a player like Correa, I don't know if they necessarily bounce back from that, uh, given how one of their rivals being um, the Yankees could be in play for Correa. I could see Correa uh, coming to New York, whether it's the Yankees or the Mets personally. His his two boys are already in New York. Um, we could just put that Team Puerto Rico infield back together. Uh, it still won't do shit because the Mets will find a way to fuck it up. Yeah. But the Astros, that legacy – it's a, it's a pretty tainted legacy, and in all honesty, even though a lot of teams are behind them looking up, I could see them falling back down to earth. Not too much, but I don't see them being like this perennial contender that they have been. They'll be a steady playoff team, but dude, if you if you kept track of the way some of these teams went, Anaheim has been slowly getting mm-hmm. better with Otani, Mike Trout, uh, Seattle, that young Seattle team who nobody thought would win more than 60 yeah. games. Oh, the yeah. last game of the season, Seattle wasn't contention for that second wild card spot. So mm-hmm. they have teams like that that are going to be coming up. So they're going to take a step back. I think Houston, not too much of a step back. They'll still probably be the top dog in the division. But between Oakland, who is always there, and the jump that Seattle's probably going to make with that young team, they better watch themselves because without Correa, they will take a step back, and they're going to have to replace him. And you just don't replace a player like Correa. Like that, that's, that's an all-world He's one of like the top players, probably the best shortstop in the game. You just don't replace mm-hmm. a guy like that. The thing with the Astros is, you know, like let's get past all of the like the the bull like the bullshit. Like, yes, we hate the Astros. Yes, okay, boom. You take that out; it's a non-factor. You look at this t- baseball team from top to bottom. Without Correa, this team is in danger of falling into a place where I think a lot of you know really good teams end up being after a few years. You can't stay on top for too long. You can't stay at the top and as you can't be as dominant as they have been for you can only be that for so long. We're finding that that out in the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs and it's going to happen I think to the Houston Astros sooner rather than later especially if they lose Correa. So for them it's they're in a weird place because they now have this tainted legacy like you said. They have this legacy of of just, you know, being a shit show of an organization, an organization that people don't particularly like, an organization that, yeah, they're in the news a lot for the wrong reasons, and you got to take into account, how is this going to affect the way people might view them in free agency? How is that going to affect the way that people might view, you know, that fans might view them? And I think this is a team that's going to be not in a rebuild mode, but I think in a fl- in sort of flux. We we've, we've seen them go to the World Series what now four times in the past few years or, or something like that. that. Like they they have been they have been one of the more dominant teams by hook or by crook. Sometimes they have been one of the more dominant teams. But I think this is the beginning of kind of that 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 downturn. It's not a downward spiral, but it is definitely going to be I think a little bit of a they're it's not like it's a slow decline. It's a slow decline. They might not they might get to a certain level and then come back up because they're one of those organizations that I think that have a great farm system. They usually are very good at making those types of moves in free agency or via trade uh, and, and scouting that type of talent. 
But I think the days of the Houston Astros just being a, you know, boom. Oh, yeah, they're going to be, like, top team in the American League. Like, uh, there's a lot of up-and-coming teams. Boston got a lot better throughout the year last year. We talked about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. We talked about a lot of these teams, man. Like, there are some teams on the come-up. Within come their up. division. They got within Seattle within their division, dude. Seattle, all those dudes are, like, our age on Seattle. Like, literally, the whole team is, like, our age. And, and they you, were one and you, game away from that playoff spot. And you can't deny the fact. God could not have put Mike Trout on this earth not to win a playoff series before he retires. If, if That would be the cruelest thing to happen in sports. If Mike Trout retires without winning a playoff series, that would be the cruelest thing to ever happen. I mean, he did he did do it to Felix Hernandez. So Felix Hernandez might actually be the greatest pitcher to mm. never pitch in a playoff game. So yeah, there we go. But you heard it here first. The Houston Astros. Watch out for that decline. Watch your bets, people. Definitely watch your bets. You don't want to you don't want to start betting on the wrong teams. By they the could way, definitely win the division next year, mm-hmm. but in terms of just the like the last couple of years, just they've dominated. They've swept through the playoffs on their on the route to the World Series and everything like that. Like, don't expect that out of them next year. Like, they definitely will take a step back. Not a drastic one, but it's not going to be as easy as it's been for them the last couple of years. I got a question. Did Did you see the odds for um? You, did you see who's the who's the favorite for uh, the World Series next year? Guess. Oh, it's yes. the Dodgers again. It's the Dodgers. Yeah, it's the Dodgers. Dodgers. It's always going to be the Dodgers. Like, like that's – yeah, the, the Dodgers are like the Yankees of the, of, of the NL. Like, like that's just well, what no, they're – That's literally what it is. In a perfect world – I remember I was talking to my buddy about this a few years ago. Realistically, in a, in a perfect world, the World Series every year, if it went based off of talent, it, the real World Series every year realistically would be the Yankees and the Dodgers every year, which is why baseball is so cool because it's not. It hasn't mm-hmm. been in like, what, 60 years? Probably never will. I mean, I'm not gonna say never. Never say never. But uh, you, you never know. You never know. The Dodgers have made it a few times. The Yankees made it once in the past few years. Like, like it, it could happen. It could totally happen. Uh, but that's to be seen. We'll play. We'll pay close attention to that. If you guys haven't already, please hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. Leave your questions in the chat also. We love to answer your questions. Love to see what's on your guys' mind. Andrew, you know what's on my mind right now? Aaron... Rogers. That bad man from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Aaron Rodgers was seemingly caught in a lie. The defending MVP this week tested positive. He is going to be out uh this Sunday in this Sunday's game. Jordan Love will get the start. It was revealed also that Aaron Rodgers was in fact not vaccinated uh he actually claimed that he was back in august he claimed that he was immunized this has gotten a lot of people talking but before we get to any of that let's take a listen to aaron Rodgers claiming that he was vaccinated from back in august let's take a listen to that Aaron, you said you like to learn as many things as you can to hang in any conversation are you vaccinated and what's your stance on, on vaccinations yeah i've been immunized um you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of conversation around it, around the league, and a lot of guys who have made statements and have made statements, owners who made statements. Um, you know, there's guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated. Uh, I think it's a personal decision. I'm not going to judge those guys. Um, there's guys who've been vaccinated that contracted COVID. Um, so, 
it's it's an interesting issue. So Rodgers, like I said, tested positive this week, and the reason why he's going to be out this Sunday, the reason why he's potentially could miss next week's game against Seattle is because of his unvaccinated status. We found out that he, in fact, was not vaccinated. Instead, he tried to submit some home remedies as uh, immunizations, which the NFL later denied. Um, and it's caused a firestorm of controversy, obviously. And a lot of people are saying that he got caught in a lie. I'm going to address that first one before uh, you get to that, Andrew. I think we can both agree. He definitely got caught in a lie because if someone asks you up front, whether or not you agree with the vaccine, I don't care. But if someone asks you up front, hey, are you vaccinated up for COVID? You know what he's talking about. Don't just say, oh, I'm immunized and then just and, and then just like act like like you like you told them the truth. You didn't. You lied. And again, it's not even so much as a problem of him not getting the vaccine. That's his personal choice. Right. But for you to go out there and lie, knowing what people thought, it, it, it's it doesn't make you look good. It doesn't make your team look good. I think it puts your team in a situation where they might not have been prepared for that because the remember the rules for players who are vaccinated versus players who are unvaccinated are different as far as how that COVID protocol goes. Um, so I think we can agree he was caught in a lie. But Andrew, what do you kind of make of the controversy as a whole? You know, we'll talk about the impact it'll have on the Packers in just a minute. But what do you make of just this, the way this is played out? Because you could argue from a PR perspective, this looks pretty bad. It definitely does, especially with the whole lying thing and everything like that. This is a guy that, you know, he's a Aaron Rodgers is a brand ambassador for mm. for for the NFL, basically, like won the MVP, like. How many commercials has Aaron Rodgers been in the past couple of years? You know, State Farm guy and everything like that. It's this is this is a this is a bad 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 look for the brand and everything like that. It's like you have to ask yourself. It's like I mean, what else is he lied about then? It's like I don't even know. Like you know, you you could nitpick and all that stuff. It's it's just not a good look for the brand and everything, especially with something like that critical. Like he he's he's got to sit out now because of the whole. He's got to sit out now because of the whole like. Um, COVID thing, and that's dumb. Like it, it's counterintuitive. It hurts his team because losing Aaron Rodgers, like losing Aaron Rodgers, is that's that's not just your average like quarterback. Like that, that's, that's your team. This, this is this, this dude won the MVP last year for a reason. Like th there's a reason why you know they taught like they fought tooth and nail to try to kind of make things right with him. Aaron Rodgers is one of those dudes like you really just can't replace. And they're going to be without him for the next couple of weeks. So not, definitely not a good look uh, on his end. Definitely not. Yeah, not a good look. And, you know, it's worth to note that he's not the only, like, you know, MVP caliber quarterback who hasn't gotten uh, the shot. You know, Lamar Jackson and other guys, Ravens fan, I've been keeping a close eye on that. Um, but the thing is, I, I think they just made Cam, like, literally just I'm, announced, like, recently that he's vaccinated now. He, he might have. He might have. So that's another big name quarterback. But I, I think. The issue is, you know, and I think Matt LaFleur addressed this by saying it was like Aaron's personal decision, which it is. And I look, I am not going to get into the debate about vaccinated versus unvaccinated on this show right now. I think the bigger deal here is that it was just a bold face lie. And, you know, you can say, well, that bold. Oh, well, that did, 
that wouldn't have mattered anyway because he still would have missed this game. You're right. But I think the people probably would have treated him differently had this been had this information been out there. I think because and you know, like, look, you can't just go around like lying to people saying you're vaccinated when you're really not. You know, I I think that's a shitty thing to do in general. You know, like just be honest about it if you're asked about it. Um, or he could have just said, you know, I'm not going to reveal that information right now. Like everyone's entitled to their privacy. I'm not going to tell anyone whether I'm vaccinated. You're not going to you you Andrew. You don't need to tell anyone, okay? But 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 that's not what it's about. It's about the fact that he lied and he got caught. And it's that's it's that simple. Um, now, Andrew, as far as the impact this is going to have on the team, Aaron Rodgers is going to miss this Sunday's game. We're going to see Jordan Love. We'll talk about Love in just a second. But man, what is the impact going to be? not having Aaron Rodgers in the lineup, not having what he brings, that ability to just score at will in in the two-minute drill, probably the greatest two-minute drill in NFL history. How is this going to impact the Packers? I mean, that's huge, dude. Like, I understand they're playing Kansas City. Kansas City's a team that can put up points, even though that defense, they're playing flag football in that secondary in Kansas City because um, they, they they can't tackle. They can't, they can't cover nobody. Uh, it's just, you know – there's a big drop-off when you go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Nothing against Jordan Love. Like, we still don't know much about him. And I, I look back to, like, the Cardinals game, right? When you want to think about the impact that losing Aaron Rodgers as opposed to, like, you know, having, like, Devontae Adams, for example, is you could bring back Devontae Adams. You know, they're still going to have um, the running back, uh, jo- Jones, Aaron Jones and everything Aaron like Jones. That. You, you don't – they don't beat Arizona – without Aaron Rodgers. They don't beat Arizona without Aaron Rodgers with, you know, his ability to control tempo, you know, be a game manager, you know, be a gamer, be a playmaker, be all that stuff. They don't win that game. Whereas, you know, they won that game with Aaron Rodgers, but without um, Devontae Adams. Now you're basically saying, like, the next game, even though it's Kansas City, who Kansas City can score points, but they can't stop nobody. You're going, even though you're bringing back Devontae Adams and everything like that, you know, not having Aaron Rodgers, like, that's a big deal. Think about if they would have played that game against Arizona without Aaron Rodgers, but with Devontae Adams. They, they probably lose that game. They there would have been a whole different scenario in that game. They probably lose by about 20 points. I'm, I'm serious. They probably lose that game by about 20 points. That's how much of an impact this is. Uh, don't be surprised if Kansas City, I don't know who the favorite is in that game, but don't be surprised if Kansas City, you know, manhandles them. Like, they will obviously put points up because one thing we've seen from Kansas City this year is teams that struggle to score, and this is, like, Jordan Love's real, like, first NFL, like, game. Like, he's, like, he's starting for, like, probably the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. look, think about what happened to Washington, right? Think about what happened to Washington when they played Kansas City. Kansas City made mistakes, but because Washington's offense was so inept without a real quarterback – they got destroyed by Kansas City, despite the despite the mistakes that Kansas City made. It could be the same thing with this. Even though they have talent at the wide receiver, Aaron Jones is one of the best running backs in the game and everything like that. Mm-hmm. If your quarterback can't bring it all together and everything like that, they're going to get run off the field and blown out by Kansas City. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers' impact cannot be understated in this game. I think it's going to be... You know they are lucky. They are lucky they're playing Kansas City. And and let's just get into the whole Jordan Love thing because it is going to be the big question looming over this game. Former first round pick, Packers quarterback Jordan Love will be getting his first start this Sunday against the Chiefs. 
the, the team, because of Aaron Rodgers' uh, positive test, won't have him potentially for uh, two games. Uh, Blake Bortles was signed to the team's practice squad. He could be elevated as the backup to uh, Jordan Love this Sunday against the Chiefs. Andrew, how big of a test is this for Jordan Love? There's been so much talk for the past few years. What does he look like? We didn't have the preseason for his rookie year. We had one this year, and he looked efficient. But again, it's preseason. But how big of a test is this game against the Chiefs going to be for Jordan Love? I mean, it's 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 a lot bigger than people might think it is, dude. It's his first real start. Even though Kansas City has been struggling, you know, look at the teams that Kansas City has, you know, like really struggled against. Like, even though Kansas City did struggle against the Giants, but it did pull out the win and everything like that, all right, cool. But these other teams that Kansas City struggled against, you know, Tennessee, Buffalo, um, who was the other one? Baltimore. Uh, even Baltimore, like Baltimore and everything like that, you know. Kansas City struggled against a team like that, but Kansas City can still put points on the board, and that's one thing that, you know, you, you Mahomes is going to be able to put points on the board. Tyreek Hill, they're going to get up for this game, especially knowing that it's a rookie quarterback. It's a rookie quarterback, and even though Kansas City might not have the same appeal that they used to have and everything like that, if this is a rookie quarterback going up against, you know, that's still the defending AFC champions, won a Super Bowl a little over a year ago and everything like that, you know, you'll get your first start against that, even though they are struggling, you know, that's tough. Like you, you might see Jordan Love press. You might see Jordan Love, you know, it'll be, it'll probably end up being Jordan Love versus Jordan Love. As much as I, and Matt LaFleur, it's Matt LaFleur's job to try to handle that stuff. As much as I love Matt LaFleur and everything like that, um, we saw Mike McCarthy without Aaron Rodgers, how good of a coach he was, even though Dallas did win without Dak. But we saw how good of a coach Mike McCarthy was. Like Aaron Rodgers really covered up a lot of the ineptitudes of Mike McCarthy all those years in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn a lot, not just about Jordan Love, but we're going to learn a lot about LaFleur because... And Gutekunst, the GM. We're going to learn a lot because, you know, they did trade up for this kid. Um, they did say this kid is the future after Aaron Rodgers, who might not be in Green Bay after this year. We're going to learn a lot because... Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. And I think for the reasons you laid out, two years ago in the draft, the Green Bay Packers essentially said, we feel comfortable enough with Jordan Love, this guy out of UCLA, to have him be the back or the, the starter in, in waiting. They're very similar to that Brett Favre situation they had a few years ago. That's how confident they were about Jordan Love. And when you take a guy in the first round, when you trade up for a guy in the first round while you have your franchise quarterback already, the MVP quarterback, on the roster, that's a big deal because that means you are looking to the future. And this game is going to be for the Packers in one sense. For Jordan Love, it's the biggest test of his life because if he goes out there and he plays well and he's poised and he looks like an NFL quarterback, then I think the Aaron Rodgers future, no matter how great he plays and he has been playing great this season. I think his his future is kind of like written in stone at this point, as far as him leaving green Bay and then Jordan love being the guy. If he doesn't, and this is where it might actually work in green Bay's benefit. If whatever case Jordan love goes out there and shits the bed and is, is just plays the worst game of his life and, and, and just doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. Then for the backers, you got to test 
you got to test you got to test ride of your new car to see if that's what you want to actually buy and invest in for the next few years um you know so i think and there's a lot of incentive, like you said, with with uh, Matt Lafleur and and Good Coons, Good Old Get Kins up there in Green Bay to make it look to to make this successful. They are going to look like two of the biggest imbeciles in the world if Jordan Love goes out there and shits the bed. Not that I want that for Jordan Love, but that's just the truth. And if you're Jordan Love, and I think this is where it's important. What you're looking for this Sunday, if you're a Green Bay fan or if you're someone who's evaluating Jordan Love. What you want to look for from him is similar to what you saw out of of you know younger quarterbacks like Mac Jones. You're you want to see something at, like he like you see out of um, um, uh, Trevor Lawrence and and these other young quarterbacks. Justin Fields this past Sunday, you want to see that they're poised. Whether or not they even the team is playing well around them, you want to see that no matter the situation is, they might throw a pick. They come back and they're able to stay poised, which is what a lot of younger quarterbacks, especially these days, have been able to do. They have more confidence, and I think that's a, 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 that tends to be depending on the team. No one is more incentivized to set up Jordan Love to be in a better situation than Matt LaFleur. No one knows him better than Matt LaFleur. So I, I have every reason to believe he's going to at least play with poise, but if he doesn't, Man, the Green Bay is going to have some decisions to make in the offseason. But, you know, he's also lucky, though, that he's playing the Chiefs. Like, like that is, like, the biggest luck thing because, you know, the Chiefs are just not playing well on defense. Say what you want about uh, the offense. Like, that offense can get hot at any game. I think they actually will eventually, like, put it together. But the Chiefs' defense is absolute hot garbage right now. Oh, they, they're playing flag football, dude. They're playing flag football in that secondary. They can't cover. They can't tackle. They can't mm-hmm. do anything in that secondary. Outside of Tyran Matthew, nobody in that secondary can really do anything. It's pretty did, bad. Did you, did you see that meme of, like, um, who, who who's the – it's Sorensen, right? The, the 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 safety they got back there with uh, Tyron Matthew. It's Sorensen. Yeah. It's like, it's like there's, like, a, a meme where it's, like, five plays, and it's just, like, Sorensen blowing coverage and Tyron Matthew looking at him with his hands up like this. Oh, my God. It's, like, all season long. That's what the, that team has been, just all season long. Um, But, hey, man, Aaron Rodgers, even though you lied, get well, brother. Uh, you know, Jordan Love, good luck, brother. The Chiefs, too. Good luck. That defense is definitely going to need it. I don't care who they're playing against. Apparently, they need help with everyone they're playing. Um, and you know what? I also need help. I need they you guys got to so help. lucky. The Chiefs I got need- so lucky that the Giants suck. If the Giants, if oh the Giants God. didn't suck and they were not playing that game at Arrowhead, if that game was played at MetLife, they lose that game, by the way. Yeah. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever new videos release. We have some comments in the chat. Liam27, who I've not seen for a long time, says hello. Hello, Liam. Sophia NYC is in the chat. Omer, you know uh, I don't watch baseball, only X Games and volleyball and football, but are you going live tonight for Dynamite? Uh, considering the time right now, uh, it is 7.35. I will not probably, I will definitely not be going live for Dynamite. I'll tell you that right now. Sorry. Maybe next week, though. De- maybe next week. Um... Sophia also says, hi, Penny. Hello, little Penny. Uh, uh, she, she wishes you a uh, hi. Uh, Sophia NYC also says, Omer, can we talk about Mac Jones on how uh, he's improved since the Crimson, uh, the Crimson Tide? Oh, since the Crimson Tide, him leading the Pats got so much similar as Brady. 
Uh, yeah, so, I mean, no, there, there are a lot of similarities with Mac Jones and Tom Brady in that, you know, they're, they're very efficient, effective football players, probably land on more so the game-managing side, and especially early on in their careers. Um, running the same system in, in New England, I, I think there are a lot of similarities. And Mac Jones is a guy who I thought, and I'll admit it, I was wrong about in the whole draft process, I thought he was gonna go, gonna. I thought he needed a lot around him to to really be successful. Granted, the Pats have a great infrastructure for him and set him up for success. But I I did not think he'd be playing as well as he is right now, and that's on me. Mac Jones is doing great, and I'm glad he is. Um, and and he really has improved. He's improved greatly. the The biggest improvement I've seen comparatively for him in college versus him in in New England, which was the biggest adjustment he had to make, was you know making that second, third read, like going through his progressions. That was one thing in college that worried me because a lot of times, and it's easy to do when you're playing at Alabama and you got Jalen Waddle to throw the ball to and you got other guys like uh, 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 Devontae Smith to th- throw the ball to, it's very easy to just be like, she, they down there somewhere, right? And but- Henry Ruggs. And Henry, well, 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 we'll, we'll talk about him. We'll yeah, about we'll that. talk about him in a second, unfortunately. But, but you know, it, it's easy to just do that, and I, that's one thing that I, you know, that that was a huge question for me. But he's done a great job. Um, Justin Fields, by the way, also did a great job without Matt Nagy. Um, you know, I don't usually call for people to be fired on this show, but uh, fire Matt Nagy, please, for for Justin Fields' sake. Like, dude, Matt Nagy. It, you just have to get him off the sidelines. And look what happened. Justin Fields looks like a competent quarterback. Oh, my God, Andrew. Guess what they did, though? They decided to run the ball and get him outside the pocket. What? 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 Wait a what? second. No. Wait a second. Wait a second. A, a, team, a team with a very bad offensive line who has been trying to succeed with a pocket passer quarterback for the last how many years drafts a playmaking quarterback with the ability to run and throw, but they've been literally only utilizing half of his skill set. Wait, you're telling me they they finally actually like utilized Justin Fields' biggest strength? It took them how long to realize what they had? Well, it's what week eight. Holy shit! It took them it took them half the season to figure this out. Oh my god, that. They don't deserve Justin Fields. They totally don't. You also, you, you know what? You know who else did that same thing too this week that, that pissed me off? The Eagles. They, 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 it's like literally the same situation. Fucking Sirianni's out there like, oh, you got the roots of the tree and we're planting the tree and, and you know, we're, we're going to work through the, the roots and we're going to water it and, and, and we're going to just run the ball, Nick. Just run the fucking ball. Jesus. That's if you're one a thing team. Hurts. It's like you have a fucking, they basically have a running back at quarterback. And they don't use it. Like, how do these uh, men have jobs? Andrew, Andrew, you and I are not football geniuses. All right, we're not like we're not out here with the X's and always going like, ah, Spider Two Wide Banana. I'm canceled now. But Spider Two Wide Banana, all all this shit. But even you and I know, hmm, young quarterback, bad defense, generally bad team. Run the ball. Like, that's a, it's not a hard equation to figure out. But for some of these coaches, they're just, I feel like they're trying to do shit just to justify their job sometimes. Especially Sirianni. He's got to, well, Sirianni needs to justify his job. I, I don't, I don't understand. One thing about Sirianni that you have to understand is that despite the failures of the team, he does remind us every week how much he, of an offensive genius he is. I'm quoting. Sirianni himself. Did you not see 
how many two-point conversions they have converted over the past couple weeks because he's a fucking genius. That's why. I I I don't even know how to address that. Like Nick Sirianni, like, how did he get the job? Like, is he just like another young hire because of uh like the whole what's it called the the whole Frank uh Reich. Th- Frank Re- uh he was Frank Re- he was Frank Reich he was under he, he was, was with, under he Frank was Reich Frank he was the offensive Reich. coordinator with 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 Philip Rivers and and Jacoby Brissett calling all those amazing plays for them and then he, then he was uh, with San Diego before that so okay cool. Good for him. I'm just saying. The like, Eagles have been doing. The Eagles, the Eagles, and the Colts have just they, been trading personnel the past couple what of years. Is, been oh doing. my god, what idiots! They fired. They fired the coach that brought them the Super Bowl because all he said was, "Hey, so the the management fucking stinks, all right? And I'm trying to like win. So why don't you just give me some leverage here and give me allow me to pick some players? And then the owner's just like, "Yeah, no." No, you're fired. Boom. I, dude, dude, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when, um, God, the Eagles are just, I'm so glad I'm not an Eagles fan. Um, um, some more comments here in the chat. Sophia says, Penny, I hope you have been having a great day with my friend Omer. <laughs> he sometimes can be too much, but uh, have heart, has a heart like a star's. Okay, thank you. That was very, that was very nice. Thank you. Andrew, do I, I have, give you a hard time? Do I give you a hard time? <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, I was like, am I like okay? Uh, anyway, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's move on um, to on, on a more on a bit more of a serious note. Uh, let's move on to a more serious thing. Uh, let's move on to the situation with Henry Ruggs, uh, and it's a, a developing situation, a horrible situation, actually. Um, Again, in some horrible news, a woman is dead after Las Vegas Raiders uh, wide receiver Henry Ruggs uh, was driving under the influence and struck her in a car early in the early morning hours of November 2nd. According to the police reports, Ruggs was driving under the influence and was arrested in relation to this event. He was going 156 miles per hour and uh, had was under the influence of alcohol, obviously. He posted bail uh, this week. The Raiders have officially released him, so former first-round pick not on the team anymore, and you could imagine why. He's probably got other – definitely has other things on his mind. Obviously, I just want to be clear, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of the deceased. Um, Andrew, you know, this is a horrible situation and a situation that, you know, we hate to find anyone in, uh, but, you know, what do we kind of make of this? What was your reaction to this horrible news? Um. I don't even know where to start. I mean, I mean, I, I would make a Raiders joke, but like, it's not even like you. But between the shit with Gruden, now you know, Rugs like, Rugs was an up and coming like kind of star for them. Like a, any big plays that they've made in the past couple of years, it's like you know, Rugs is a big play kind of dude. Like he runs like a four two. Um, you know, the Raiders. I mean, I, I, on both ends, you know, the Raiders lost a very talented player, but at the same time, you know, like. You got to exercise better judgment there, dude. Like, you have enough money in the bank to be able to not only call an Uber, call an call Uber, an Uber. but I, I was reading somewhere today where the NFL actually has an agreement with Uber where their, their players actually could call an Uber and the NFL will pay for it. So it wasn't even coming out of his own pocket. And the fact that he chose to drive under the influence, I can understand, like, you know, 
driving under the influence isn't good, but 150 miles an hour, dude, dude, most highways, most highways like that, the speed limit's 65, 70. More than double the speed limit and under the influence, like, you got to exercise better judgment than that. And, you know, I wouldn't even, I don't even know if I can chalk it up to immaturity. It's like, you know, mm. he's got to have better people around him. He's got to exercise better judgment. I mean, I don't, his career might be over unless, you know, Miami, the Miami Dolphins seem to have a thing for them players with those red flags. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it's a horrible situation because at the end of the day, you know, we like f- football is like one of the situations where football doesn't even really matter. Like someone lost their life because of this. Like it is, and in in you know like it, uh, like obviously there wasn't malicious intent on behalf of Henry Ruggs. He wasn't trying to go out there and like kill somebody. But it's also just like you said, terrible judgment. And it, it, and you know like it, as far as like what we can what can, we can kind of take away from this, or what like young players or any player can kind of take away from this. It's it's just exercise better judgment. You Andrew, you and I are young, fairly young. Like we're mid twenties, and and we know that you know in those types of situations, it's best to just call an Uber. It's best to just get away from those types of situations because you it, it's not worth the risk of hurting someone else. It's not worth the risk of hurting yourself, and and by hurting yourself, you're hurting your loved ones as well, and. Unfortunately, now Henry Ruggs in a situation where football and probably should be the last thing on his mind. He's in a situation where he's facing legal uh, the, the legal process now, and you know, I think if anything comes of this, this needs to be an example for all young players. Whether you're playing the NFL, NBA, lacrosse, I don't care what you're playing. All young people, man, just take the extra few minutes. Take the extra ten dollars, whatever it is, and call the Uber. Because look, it, like in this case, man, like the car is gonna be there tomorrow. You can leave the car there; it'll be there tomorrow. You can come pick it up. But that person who who obviously was was killed in this incident, they're not here. They're not gonna be there tomorrow because of his actions. And you know, I'm not trying to pile on. He's got enough going on. But man, uh, I. All you can hope for is that whatever happens, he's you know he finds some sort of of redemption in some way, and and you know the the that everyone can ho- and hopefully uh you know move to like live with the the situation and learn from it, and younger people can learn from it. Obviously, like it's just a there's terrible no situation. Dude, me me and you don't have the kind of money that he has, and yet we still yeah can call an Uber. There's there's no excuse for this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's just, and you know, like as as far as like you know, oh, can he come back? Like, I mean, this is like, could he come back? If we're gonna talk about that, sure, he could. Dante Stallworth was in a similar situation, different circumstances, but a similar situation, and he ended up coming back after a few years. But I, I, I think again, football should probably be the last thing on Henry Ruggs's mind. Uh, you know, and, and he's got to deal and like, think about that too. Like, you're not just dealing with the fact that the legal process going on. It's also the fact that someone is dead because of your actions. And I, I can't imagine what, what, what that is like, uh, on a person. You just can't imagine. Um, but yeah, um, yep. So anyway, uh, let's go to the chat real quick, uh, where Sophia is saying, uh, personally, I think he's going to jail for a long, long time. Somebody's going to have to do time. I mean, I, I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a, a legal expert. I don't know what it'll be. But, you know, I, 
I, I just hope people are better for learning from it. Uh, that's honestly what I hope from this situation. And she also says it's super, super terrible. Yes, it is super terrible. Again, thoughts and prayers go out to everyone affected by this tragedy. Um, guys, if you haven't already, please hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Um, uh, last thing from Sophia says, um, I'm in my lower 20s as well and having uh fast cars nowadays a lot of youngins a lot of youngins get so addicted from showing off but this is a situation he could get jail time for like yeah yeah he could uh anyway so andrew uh l let's kind of shift gears you know don't really have a really good transition for that but let's shift gears and talk about uh something that it has been we've talked about on the show actually before and and it has to do with Stan Kroenke the owner of the Los Angeles Rams and the city of St. Louis the saga continues for good old Stan Kroenke um and and it, it's only getting worse from here because Andrew when I tell you about this you're just going to be like what the fuck so well, let's get into it. According to reports from ESPN, the Los Angeles Rams owner Stan Kroenke might not honor an agreement made with the NFL that would have him pay the legal fees between the lawsuit between the NFL and the city of St. Louis. Um, Kroenke had previously been required to pay tens of millions of dollars in legal fees incurred by the NFL and the 32 ownership and the 32 owners um, because of this lawsuit. Uh, the Rams, the Chargers, and the Las Vegas Raiders signed an agreement as part of the Rams relocation a few years ago. The lawsuit from the city of St. Louis says that in 2017, St. Louis's city and county governments, along with the public entity owns that, that owns the Dome in St. Louis, sued the NFL and its franchises. They did so as a third-party beneficiaries of the league's relocation policy, asserting that an enforceable legal interest in the policy's execution. What that means, if, for people who don't know, is that basically the Rams broke the Rams and Stan Kroenke and the NFL broke their agreement with the city of St. Louis when they moved to um, Los Angeles. St. Louis holds the NFL owners liable as well for allowing this move. Kroenke and the NFL could be on the hook for billions of dollars if this lawsuit is successful. And even if they settle, Andrew, they could be on the hook for a shit ton of money. And now Stan Kroenke is reneging on an agreement with the NFL, reportedly, uh, for paying all their legal fees and essentially putting a lot of the owners uh, in, in harm's way. Um, Andrew... You've you and I have talked about this before. How does Stan Kroenke come away looking like this? Because it can't be good. No, no, it can't be good. Are you kidding me? I, the, as much as I have a vendetta with the city of St. Louis for what they did to me in 2006 and before that in 1999, um, this is not a good look for Kroenke at all, dude. Especially like like he he can't go anywhere from here. Like there's no way to go from here. He's He's going to have to own up to it. Like, it looks like they already have, and there's going to have to be the repercussions. That, that, that's that plain and simple. I mean, he just, you know, I don't know how the other, the, and the other, every, every other team in the NFL just said, yeah, sure, do it. Yeah, we don't, yeah, sure. Well, well, well the thing is, dude, now, now all these teams are coming out. Like Jerry Jones, who was very much in favor of this move happening. Like and who actually helped negotiate this move, even he's coming out like reportedly and like angry at Kroenke for putting the NFL owners on the hook when Kroenke said that he would be the one to pay these legal fees and pay all the damages. And now the NFL could be potentially on the hook for billions of dollars. And 
I want to also make something clear. Stan Kroenke, by the way, guys, for those of you who don't know, Stan Kroenke is the most wealthy owner in the NFL. He is worth tens of billions of dollars. So, and like a lot of these other owners, you know, like, yes, they have, that's a lot of money. They won $2 billion, but they don't have the resources that this guy does. And him having those resources, they, it was agreed upon that he would be kind of taking those legal fees on. And now he has basically most of the ownership group mad at him. Uh, and it's not a good look for him, I think, and his credibility amongst owners. There's also the caveat, you know, about how the NFL might look for this. And look, you want to, we want to say, like, you know, the Rams moving to LA was great. They have a great stadium, all that stuff, right? And they went home to LA, right? But man, it's not a good look for the NFL. The, I think the way they allowed this to happen. Because they allowed the the Rams to essentially and then Kroenke to break their lease with the city. How do we know that's not going to happen to another team anytime soon where the NFL is just going to allow it to happen? Like it sets a slippery slope. Andrew, hey, man, the Titans. Who knows, man? Who knows? Nah, mama, mama, mama ain't moving us out. <laughs> mama, Amy, mama, Amy's not moving us out. It's her kids I worry about. Mm. But we're, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. Mama, yeah. no, mama ain't moving us out of there. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I think the NFL looks bad too. Uh, the other thing that Mike Florio actually uh, talked about this on his show, Andrew, and he said that, you know, in oh, lieu Chris of – No, well, yeah, yes, with, with Chris Sims. Um, but he said that in lieu of potential, you know, monetary finances in the settlement, it, there could be a potential scenario where we could see an expansion franchise um, with St. Louis get an expansion franchise as part of a settlement or a deal in this lawsuit. Which would be insane because I don't think St. Louis is high on anyone's list of where they want an expansion expansion franchise, unless you're in St. Louis. But what do you kind of make of there too, by the yeah, way? Yeah, yeah. What do you what do you kind of make of that potential of, of of them having an expansion franchise instead of the billions of dollars? That kind of would be cool. I mean, it's. It would be cool. It would create opportunities for more players and everything like that. But then they'd have to, they'd essentially, because there has to be an even number of teams, they'd have to, there'd have to be another expansion franchise in the league too, though. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. every, there wouldn't have to be more actually, because then every, because what's cool about the current NFL is every division has four teams. Giving that like one city a team would be cool, but then like they'd have to give another city a team, you know, like, yeah, because then be cool. and and then th- there wouldn't really be a, a way to split it up because then you'd have uh, seventeen teams in each conference. Exactly, and then you know what I mean. Then oh man, you're bringing back the days of the AFC Central, Andrew. We'll be division rivals again, baby. Let's oh, go. Could you imagine, <laughs> could you imagine, imagine those Ravens Titans oh. rivalries, man? Though that would be great. But I mean, look, I I feel for the for the city of St. Louis because here's the thing: at the end of the day, and Andrew, you know this better than anyone. At the end of the day. The Rams never won a Super Bowl in Los Angeles. When they won the Super Bowl, they won it as the St. Louis Rams. So that team, you could argue, means a lot more to the city of St. Louis because of that championship than it does to the city of Los Angeles. Like, that's just the truth. And I think that like Los Angeles is a team that they've been fighting to try to get another football team. They've been fighting to keep their football team. And people felt bad for them. So I, I, I would like to see them get... Uh, that, but if they don't, I think it could be bad for the NFL. The NFL could be on the hook again for billions of dollars. That is not a the NFL for as many resources they have. 
that that's gonna look that's gonna be very bad for them monetarily. One yard, dude. One yard short, One man. Yard, that's the dude. is a oh man. Well, I mean, it's probably appropriate. Uh, probably One appropriate. Yard, dude. Could you do? <laughs> Dude, w one yard. The Seahawks already had a Super Bowl when they chose not to run it at the one yard line. That is like we actually one yard short. It's genuinely the most the the saddest ending to a Super Bowl I've ever seen. Like like actually, it was like, how are you one yard short? That's just that's whack. That's utterly whack. Like that should not that, happen. That's, that that that's Hollywood. That's a Hollywood ending right there. Like. Like that's that's the team doesn't win the super. Boy, oh, it, well, you know it's going to be a Hollywood ending too because that Kurt Warner movie is coming out soon. So you're gonna I'm not Andrew, watching you're, that shit. I Andrew, am not no, watching no, that no, shit. you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna relive it with me. No, you're because relive it. we're gonna dude, watch that let's shit. Say, let's say for all intents and purposes, right? This is the thing that's gonna blow me, right? If the Titans make the Super Bowl this year, you know what they're gonna do? They're gonna play the replay of the Music City oh Miracle. Oh my god. Do the replay of the Music City Miracle. They're gonna show us manhandling the Tom Coughlin-led fourteen and two Jacksonville Jaguars, yep. and then they're gonna show us against the greatest show on turf. And they're gonna highlight how Kevin Dyson was less than three feet, less than three feet from the end zone to end the he game. He reached, man, and he tried his best. He did everything he could. And they're gonna play that shit on loop. And there's gonna be people who never knew that's how that Super Bowl ended. And they're gonna sit there. They're gonna say, Andrew, "Oh Andrew. my god." And you won't even escape it because even if you don't watch any of the buildup, even if you don't watch any of the pregame show, none of that, it's still gonna watch. Play it. You're gonna watch the game and they're gonna play that shit about five, six times. Oh, and if there's a two minute drill, oh, they're gonna play that like six times on that drive, <laughs> and then watch that happen again. <laughs> like, oh my god, oh god. All of this is making me want the Titans to go to the Super Bowl, <laughs> and I'm a Ravens fan. I'm telling you, man, Titans-Rams. Don't be surprised if it's Titans-Rams this year in the Super Bowl. This, Wouldn't that this, be? This, this upcoming Sunday night football game, do not be surprised if that's the Super Bowl. Like I said before, I don't know if I said this at the beginning of the show. 1999, the Atlanta Braves went to the, they went to the World Series, lost. A couple months later, Titans went to the Super Bowl, lost. Fast forward, 2021, Atlanta Thought their season was over when the best player in baseball got injured. Went to the World Series. Won. Tennessee, best player in football, got injured. You finish it. Never lost. Just saying. Never lost. I can't watch. I'm not lost. If we go to the Super Bowl, I'm not watching the pregame show. I'm not watching the pregame show. Well, we, well, you know, if they do go to the Super Bowl, Andrew, there's a good chance that you and I will be the pregame show for that Super Bowl. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not. Do you understand, dude? Every every show on national television is gonna replay that ending, and they're gonna talk about how the the last and only time we ever went to the Super Bowl, and they're gonna say, I, I, the highlight's gonna be Tennessee was literally literally one yard short of winning its only Super Bowl ever, and that's all you're gonna hear about. And they're gonna have Stephen A. shooting his mouth off. You're gonna have Shannon Sharp shooting his mouth off. You're gonna have all these the geniuses shooting their mouths off. I'll promise you this, Andrea. I'll promise so you this. Up, I'm not even gonna. If I can already the, see Romo now. I can already see Romo now. I can already see Romo <laughs> now. As we're kneeling the ball, as we're kneeling the ball, because it's gonna come down to like a fourth down. It's gonna the, the way the game ended against Buffalo, where Josh Allen fourth and one at the goal line. It's gonna come down to something like that. We're gonna get the stop. We're gonna get it with like nine seconds left. Tannehill's gonna knee it, and then I can already hear Romo now saying they were one yard short last time. 
Let's see what happens this time. And I I'm going to have to mute it. I'm going to have to mute it. Well, Andrew, don't you worry, because I'll promise you this. If, if the Titans make it to the Super Bowl, I will be there in person in New Jersey in the buildup to, 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 to shelter you from, from that trauma. That game's going to be at SoFi, too. So it's only fitting. It's only fitting that we're going to get redemption against, against the Rams in their stadium. It's only fitting. Well, if they do, maybe we can go to the game. I don't know how we get tickets, but hey, maybe by then I can swing media passes. Who knows? Who knows? Hey, man. We'll see what happens with that. Anyway, guys, if you haven't already, please hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Andrew, you know what? It's almost fitting that you went on a little Titans rant there because, my friend, you are about to go on another because this has been a wild, wild, wild week in Tennessee for all Titans fans and the Titans and themselves as well. You all right? I, I, I yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Is, 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 is the anxiety of the, uh, uh, of, of the Titans history getting to you again? You know, Faith Hill sang the national anthem to the 1999 Super Bowl, and she owns the Titans. She's the owner of the Titans now. Oh, that means she can't sing the. Oh, damn! No wonder she's not doing. Uh, I think that's the why Sunday they got rid of her intro. from Sunday Night Football. I actually think that's why they got rid of her from Sunday Night Football. Nah, bro. Faith Hill was. Faith Hill is. Faith Hill is the. Uh, is waiting all day for Sunday night. That, that, that's that's all I. That's all I care. That's the only one. I, that's the only one that matters to me. Hashtag not my song. Twelve hours anthem growing up. Absolutely. Anyway, Andrew, some big news out of Tennessee. All pro running back Derrick Henry is going to miss six to ten weeks, likely the remainder of the regular season with a Jones fracture in his foot. It is going to keep him out for the rest of the season, likely. And in order to remedy that, Adrian Peterson was signed to the Titans as a running back. And we know the Titans, they rely on Derrick Henry. He is probably their biggest weapon offensively, defensively. Special teams doesn't matter. He is their biggest weapon. He is sometimes their entire team, and he dictates how this team goes. You're a Titans fan. Yes. What is your reaction to this injury and the way the Titans have handled it? So, um, first off, when I found out about the injury, and when I found out, I remember we – Anyone who watched the game, we saw when he sustained the injury. It was early in the game. I want to say right around like the first second quarter. It was before halftime. He's, he did finish the game. Um, he actually had a very big fourth down run where he ran it and literally ran through two people who were going to tackle him about four yards beyond the, like, the, the line to get. Um, and he ran through two of them, reached his arm out, got us that first down, uh, helped us uh, drive down the field. Uh, he finished the game with an injury like this, so it just shows you he is a boss. That's number one. Um, but when I found out about the injury, I was, um, like most Titans fans, um, was very upset. I was, uh, I was very upset because I just thought about how big of, a, big of a part this man is to our team, to our offense, to what we do and everything like that. And... You know, the first thing that came to mind was, you know, well, how do you replace Derrick Henry? Number one, you 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 don't. You yeah, that, you, you you can't replace that. That that that's a that's a defensive end that runs a four four, 
and runs through, you, you can't replace that. Like the fact that you could give him the 25 carries a game and everything like that, not many running backs at that size could sustain that level every single game to where we are at this point of the season. That's number one, or that, that was number two, okay? Mm-hmm. With that being said, though, we did get the next closest thing, even though he is a couple years past his prime in Adrian Peterson. I'm not going to say Adrian Peterson is Derrick Henry, but Adrian Peterson did have a solid solid season last year with Detroit, and he's just going to steady, like just, just keep us afloat until Derrick Henry comes back for the playoffs and everything like that. Listen, we I've done the math. We only have, what are we? We have we're seven games in. We have about 10 games left and everything. We just got to play 500 football. If we play 500 <laughs> football, Indy has to win out. We just got to oh, play 500 no And Carson Wentz is on the, uh, it, it just tested positive, so he might not play. Ooh, we could see Jacob Eason. Ooh. Ooh, the kid, man, the kid. The, 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 uh, good old East, East of B. Anyway, um, but. So we have this division. We have this division locked up. I just, you, might, you know. Yeah. Sources say surgery went well. We'll probably have him back for the playoffs, something like that. Are we going to hang on to that number one seed in the AFC? I don't know. We're going to see what happens this Sunday because if we somehow go out there and win, which is very likely the same way that the Jets beat the Bengals and the Jets beat the Titans, we could go out there and beat the Rams. Any any given Sunday, anything is possible. So, so. I okay. I, I think we got your reaction as a Titans fan. Uh you you are you are very upset. Very, you very you are upset. However, you are uh, somewhat positive. You are optimistic dude, about the have, outlook. Look, if you look this at our like, schedule, dude, and this is the schedule, most optimistic dude, I've ever seen you about dude, football. We still play. We still play Jacksonville, Houston twice, and Miami. We li- and on top of that, uh, what is it? The, the Steelers. The, the Steelers, you don't know which Steelers team you're going to play week in and week out. So this is probably I'm not going to I'm not going to say this is going to be Tomlin's first losing. We, we could beat the Steelers. OK, those 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 games that we we should win. We probably will win. Then after that, dude, I mean, who else do we have? The, the meat of our schedule is pretty much done. We go up to New England and everything like that. Um, I think we could win there. And, and you got uh, your divisional games, which are cake. And then we have our divisional games, which the I mean, dude, we got we got yeah, like I just said, we got Jacksonville but, again. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, and and I think th- this kind of comes in the question about how you're gonna fare in like not those games against terrible teams. Although even like you guys even were susceptible to terrible teams when you you had Derrick Henry. I think the the most important question for Titans fans and everyone to really look at is you know like we know AP's. What AP's role is going to be? He's going to come in, get fifteen to twenty touches, uh, settle into that role, and and be that guy who gets you about four yards of carry, who can who can do what he does. Cool. The bigger question is with this Derrick Henry injury, can Ryan Tannehill rise to the occasion? Because this is AP is not going to dictate what they do. Uh, you know the defense for as good as some of the pieces are. That secondary is a mess, but as good as some of the pieces are in that front, in that defensive front. Look, look. Let me finish. Okay. As good as some pieces are, this team is going is going to go in the regular season and potentially farther. We don't know what Derrick Henry's prognosis might be. Might we just saw Michael Thomas? He his injury rehab did not go well for him. We never know That's what could happen. We have. That's another game we but, have. But but Andrew Andrew, I, you're, I get you're excited. Just let me finish. Ryan Tannehill is going to dictate how far this team goes in the playoffs. He's going to dictate how far this team goes in the regular season and if they could actually stay afloat. 
And I think when Ryan Tannehill has had that on his back throughout his career and not had Derrick Henry, we've seen how's that how that's gone. It has been either disappointing or and but or it's left you wanting more. So my question to you is, as someone who's watched him, as someone who knows the pieces around him, without Derrick Henry, can Ryan Tannehill rise to the occasion and become the quarterback that this team needs at this moment? Yes, because Derrick Henry did not have the best performances. But like I said, like even people in the media have been saying it, Derrick Henry's presence changes the way you play defense. So even without Derrick Henry, I do think Tannehill will be capable. But a big thing we're going to need is A.J. Brown has been emerging. He's kind of like been recently been playing like the player we expected him to be. We need Julio. We, we need Julio, Julio to come off the IR. We need the defense. Like, we're, we're getting Christian Fulton back this week. You know, he's going to help us shore up the secondary. Chris Jackson's not going to get as many. Um, he's not going to get as many assignments. Uh, Elijah Molden has come up big for us the last couple games. Kevin Byard's having an all-pro year this year. So, you know, I think the defense will get better. Harold Landry, Harold Land- sign him right now. Show him the money right now because he's literally been he's literally been the best linebacker. I understand they just got fucking um the the, the Rams just got fucking uh uh Von Miller. Name? I understand they just got Von Miller. L- listen, with with the production that Harold Landry has had technical difficulties, my bad. With the, with yeah, with the um production. With the production with the production that Harold Landry's had this year in terms of like just defensively getting to the quarterback and everything, the defense is going to be fine. The, the biggest thing on whether Ryan Tannehill is going to succeed without Derrick Henry is going to be the emergence of Julio. And mm. he's got to be the guy that we traded for in order to make up for not having Derrick Henry. And that's a big if, man, because Julio this year, he he's done – he's just been injury prone and he's – He's been like a secondary, dare I say, like kind of like third option for Tannehill this season, really, because he hasn't really been an option in some scenarios. Uh, with Ryan Tannehill, though, I I think he I think he can do well enough to keep them afloat in a regular season. However, if there's a situation where Derrick Henry is not available in the playoffs, I don't see Ryan Tannehill as being the guy who's going to uplift this team to victory. He's just not that guy. He has never been that guy, at least without Derrick Henry and that run game to support him. And that's a, that's the fact. You and I both know that. That's just true. Can that Julio help? Yes. And and if Julio is at one hundred percent, I think it will it will make it easier for him to to kind of fit into a role. I still don't think he's going to be that guy. For And we're going to find out, though. This is going to be a huge test for Ryan Tannehill this Sunday. He's not going to have he, – look, look, he's not going to have Huli, or uh, Derrick Henry. Adrian Peterson's not going to really be, uh, you know, too much of a factor. He might have – he's probably going to be on a – pit- oh, yeah, he's going to be on a snap count. But he's going against a Rams team that is not only has a high-powered offense in Cooper Cup, who, by the way, no one's talking about it. This dude's on pace to break Calvin Johnson's single-season receiving record. They're, they're not playing just a hot – Christian Fulton will lock him down. They're not just playing, you know, the high-powered offense. Look at who they're going against on defense. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Jalen Ramsey, and that really good secondary uh, to go along with Jalen Ramsey that the Rams have. My God, Ryan Tannehill's got his word cut out for him. And, hey, we talked about his contract. Remember, a few years ago, I told you, there's going to come a time where 
He's going to have to put his money where his mouth is. It's time for Brian Tannehill to finally earn that contract, man. If he can play well this Sunday, given the circumstances that they're in, I think he's worth the money that they paid for him. And that's a big thing for me to say. Listen, listen. If, if push comes to shove like that, we might need an extra week or two to give Derek Henry some rehab and the playoffs are coming up. Hey, my man, you know what? We get on the phone. We get on the phone and peace uh, mode. You know, we need that one yard. More like feast mode, bro. Feast mode. That, that man's been eating. You see those Uber commercials where he's in? Hey, listen, <laughs> we can get him in shape. You get him working out with uh, Julio. You get him working out with them boys. And um, and uh, I think DeMarco Murray. We get DeMarco Murray. DeMarco just, Murray. Just, That's a throwback. We, that. we will talk about running back by committee. Talk about running back by committee. They will each split carries. Each My of them. God. You're going you, you gonna to ask Marion Barber to come out of retirement too? Yeah, you what? you Give a call to Ray Rice, uh, you know, like, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, give Chris Chester, good old Chris Chester from the Bears a call while you're at it. My All God. Yep. Hey, Willis McGahee, you know where you at? Hey, listen, if we need to figure out exactly what they're going to run on offense this weekend, oh, it's very simple. They just, d- didn't they release uh, Deshaun Jackson? Just, just fuck it. Just, I, I need, if we need, if we, just for this He's one game, if we need, if we need this offense, I, I just need to know the Rams playbook. That's it. That's some shit we would do. Just sign him. He'll give us a rundown on the playbook, and then we'll know exactly how to play them on offense. And then, and then bring him in as a coach, like 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 a wide receiver's assistant or some shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's gonna be it's interesting. Cool. It's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens there. Um, yeah, uh, guys, if you haven't already, please hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Andrew, I'm gonna put you on the spot though. Do the Titans win this Sunday against the Rams? Yes or no? Uh, yeah. And what's the yes. score? Uh, 27-23. All right. Tight one uh, in... Is, They're going to go is, for is that two-point conversion. Is it in SoFi? It's in SoFi. Of course it's in SoFi. It's Sunday Night Football. They're not They're not doing Sunday Night Football from, from Tennessee. Hell no. The, y'all can have y'all can have uh, Thursday night football. No, we no, but not Thursday Sunday night. night. And Monday night. We never get Sunday night. We never get football night in America from Nashville. Never. No, no, because Al Michaels has it written in his contract. He has a few certain states that he's not willing to go to. The hey, hey, we're lucky, man. The only reason he likes to come to Baltimore is because we got good crab cake. That's the only reason. He's like, nah, nah. If I if I can't get crab cake, there's no reason I'm coming to Baltimore for a game. Um, That's fine anyway, though. You know why? Yeah. Because when we get when we get the CBS game of the week. Tony Romo has made it abundantly clear. He loves, he fucking loves touching down in Nashville. When we get Romo and Nance on the call. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, dude, dude the, I don't think the Ravens have had Romo and Nance on the call for, like, three years. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. Like, it, it's, been, it's been just – we just don't get them. We never get them. But, hey, it, it, it is what it is. Games. You guys also get more That is true. I, I, I have seen Al Michaels and Chris Collins worth, like, a solid, like, two, three times a year, which is fine. Like, I love – dude, I mean, like, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, okay, let's do this real quick. Ranking the, the, the top three – Ranking the top three football commentary teams. For me, it's easy. For me, it's easy. Like, like, like this is like very simple for me. Number one, there is a reason they're called the best on TV. It's Sunday Night Football, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth. I know Chris Collinsworth gets a lot of shit for, you know, his old sliding in and all his references and all that stuff. That was he- a stupid play from a stupid <laughs> it's player. It's amazing, though. He's so real. He's so real. Alan Michaels, too. When, like, when he's, when he's like, calling the game, too, I'm just like, man, like, that's – that's football right there. That is, like – that's how football needs to be called. Like, Al Michaels is, like – if I had to create the perfect, like, 
play-by-play guy for football, it would be Al Michaels. So that's my number one. For me, number two, I, it's no problem being number two. Tony Romo, Jim Nance. Jim Nance is fine. I love Jim Nance. He, you know, he's the voice of CBS. I, I grew up listening to him on those Ravens calls. Tony Romo just brings excitement that, you know, hey, man, love Phil Sims, but he never had that level of excitement, that charisma. Like, but but that's and my Romo number two. Will, and Romo will occasionally tell you what play is coming. Exactly He'll run coming. left. Y'all know. Romo, a- Romo knows. <laughs> Romo knows before the defense knows what off like what, what's about to happen. It's crazy up in the booth. Oh, it's he's insane. Like, oh. He even, dude. Romo will even look and he'll be like, uh, they'll call it audible. He'll be like, up, oh, nope. It's a che-. he'll be like, up, oh, no, it's a check down. How did you know that? I just I I saw where the safety was lined up. It, it's it's a check down. Yep, check yep. down to the running. Number three, uh, and this is, might be a little bit of a controversial one, but my number three commentary team. It's not Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So anyone who thought I was going to say that, fuck right off. But uh, it's it, it's the Monday Night Football team. I think I think what they got going right now with Lewis Riddick, by the way, amazing. I love hearing his voice. Steve Levy, what a guy. Like, well, like that, that dude is like, I'm so glad they switched it to him. He has been the best since Mike Tirico. And, and hey, Brian Greasy, he's not like, he's not great, but he's good. And I like that. Other than that, everyone else kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie to you. Everyone else kind of sucks. Um, you know who I wish they'd bring back? He, oh. But he only calls college games now. Is um, Kirk Herbstreit. Gus Street. Johnson. Gus Johnson. Ooh, Gus Johnson, baby. Bring that. I don't understand. I don't get why he's not calling football. Like like, like, like the NFL. Like, I don't college. get he's it. He's only doing college now. I don't know why. It, he's so good. Like, like, man, and Kirk Herbstreit, too, man. Could you? Man, you already know. Like, like the day, uh, like, like the day that Al Michaels or Chris Collinsworth goes away. Like, you already know that he's getting a fat paycheck, a fat paycheck from NBC to call Sunday Night Football. I remember, um, my my favorite Al Michaels. I mean, there's there's a bunch of no Chris Collinsworth. I mean, my favorite Chris Collinsworth was uh, there's a bunch of them, but I loved the stupid uh, play from a stupid player. No, there was uh when he was when, dude, he he keeps it so real. When the Eagles basically when the when they blatantly tanked to fuck over the Giants yep. that last yep. game of the season. Like I've never seen anything like this. He was literally like I, I he goes, I, I, I could not have done with what they just did. He's like, What they just did was a disgrace to football. I I I could never have done it. I, 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 like you could, you didn't see him shaking his head, but you're just like, as he's saying this, you, you can visualize him shaking his head the whole time while he's like, what they just did is a disgrace to football. Oh my God. Oh, he is. What a guy, man. Yeah. Again, gets a lot of shit for no reason. He is a, he's a, he's a great commentator. Like, like it's also, I think the feel of Sunday night football too. It, it just feels different. Like, like it feels different than anything else. It feels bigger. Like, like the the orchestra, the intro, it's all better. The graphics all bigger. The the old uh, Key and Peele uh, intros. <laughs> Yo, who was that? Was it Jonathan Taylor? Was it Jonathan Taylor who was the guy? Remember, he said like 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 it was on. It was I remember they were calling the game. Uh, it was the um, Ravens versus the Colts, and they were talking on, on the commentary. Out, Jonathan Taylor told us he was so excited to be on Monday Night Football because he was finally gonna get to do his player intro, and then we had to break break it to him. Sorry, pal, that's Sunday Night Football. <laughs> like like because he wanted to do the whole Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> like like you know like. But he, then he's like, oh, it's the wrong wrong team. Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> Tony Gonzalez is my favorite oh, yeah. with the player intros. Yeah, I was how it goes. I'm. 
Tony Gonzalez from University of California. Oh my God, no! Oh, those. Are, and I just remember like one year, and this is kind of like where uh, Terrell Suggs just became like a charismatic figure. Like, like, like uh, Terrell Suggs just came out out of nowhere. He's just like sizzle ball so hard university like out of nowhere and it caught everyone but off guard like what the fuck did he just say <laughs> like ball so was... hard <laughs> like uh there was another one i forgot it was funny he said like he was talking about uh ja, like... rastafari <laughs> no there was one he was just like oh ike taylor swag Oh my god, no, there was like one, I think it was like the Packers or some team, like a few years ago, and they were literally just like, it, it, like, it was just like David Bakhtiari, Old Mill Middle School, like it, like it was just like, they were in like middle schools and elementary schools and shit like that, it was like the funniest thing, man, uh, big shout out, man, big shout out to Sunday Night Football, Al and Chris are in fact the best on TV, fight me, fight me, fight me. Andrew, let's get to um, our final official topic oh, for the God. day. Oh, let's talk about this because I know you, you you're gonna get riled up talking about this. I told oh, you this be yeah. a good. I told you this be a good show for you to vent. Like oh, like this is, oh. this is a good show for you to vent. This anyway, annoyed me. This annoyed me. It annoyed everyone. Let's talk about it. College, the college football playoff committee revealed their top 25 teams. We have the top six right here. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Alabama. Number three, Michigan State. Number four. Oregon, which means Ohio State and Cincinnati, who are five and six respectively, are left out of the top four in this initial ranking. Andrew, a lot of people have a problem with this because Cincinnati is on the outside looking in. Should Cincinnati be in the top four? Uh, yes, I would argue Cincinnati should be in the top four, given that Cincinnati might have, out of most of those teams in the top, in the top four, the win over number 10 Notre Dame, probably the best win out of all those, pretty yeah. much out of all those teams. At Notre Dame, um, they, Indiana hasn't had the best season, but they did go and beat Indiana. What I really didn't like, though, was I get the head-to-head matchup. So I understand Oregon head-to-head beat Ohio State. The, the issue that I have is, is that what they're essentially setting up is Michigan State's undefeated. Okay, cool. Mm. But yeah. what they're doing is they're setting it up for when Michigan State loses to Ohio State, Michigan State's going to drop. Ohio State's going to go to the Big Ten Championship. As long as Ohio State wins out and beats mm-hmm. Michigan State, they're going to get in. Oregon has to lose, but the only way Oregon – Oregon can still get in unless they don't win the Pac-12 or if they lose – the only loss I could see them potentially having is Utah. That's it. And the thing that I don't appreciate is because I've seen – I mean, I'm not going to say I've seen it happen before. But you can already kind of see it happening is – Oklahoma's undefeated, sitting at yep. 8-0. And I could definitely see the committee if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship and then they both have one loss. The SEC is going to get two teams in. Ohio State being a one-loss Big Ten champion will get in. And Oregon being a two-loss conference champion or a one-loss conference champion, they'll have to sweat it out against Oklahoma, who could be an undefeated conference champion, and Cincinnati is going to get fucked over. Yep. And, and and it's a shame, too, because I think we talked about that defense for Cincinnati. I don't care what you want to say about, you know, all oh, the competition they're playing. They, they don't play any real teams, blah, blah, blah. You play who you play. And I don't care what you do. This defense against any offense in the entire NCAA, in, in, all, in the entirety of college football, 
They can go out there and hang with the best of them and give trouble to the best offense. Like, they could go up to, against Oklahoma, and I promise you, Oklahoma, they would give Oklahoma fits. They would give them trouble. This defense Georgia. is real. They could go up against Georgia, give them fits. And, and and that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, like we understand. I understand that the college football playoff is subjective in nature because you—, you you can't take win losses uh, uh, into it, right? Like, okay, like SMU being undefeated is different than Alabama being undefeated. I, on a level, I get that. I don't like it, but I get it. But you gotta be real. Like this, Cincinnati is a real team. Everyone with any that knows anything about football knows it. And the fact that they're undefeated with a big win, like you said, against a great Notre Dame team, I don't get how they don't make it. Into the top four. I just don't. Oh, over, over, okay, over a Michigan State team that we know eventually is going to lose. Okay, sure. But, like, they're not better than Ohio State at this point. Like, really? Like, like that that irks me. I, and, and I think you're right. I think they're, they're going to end up being on the outside looking in, which is going to suck because it's going because to be Oklahoma. the whole. It's going to, that final spot, that mm-hmm. final spot, if all this holds. You know Georgia and Alabama. If if Alabama beats Auburn, Alabama's going to go to the SEC championship. They're going to beat Georgia if they beat Georgia. The only way that they they have to root for Georgia in that championship because then that would knock Alabama out. Although I could see the committee just saying, "Fuck it, we'll put Alabama in anyway." They'll be the first two loss team to ever make it. But then it's going to come down to Oregon will be a one loss conference champion unless they lose to Utah, and then Oregon's <laughs> going to be fighting it out with Ohio State and potentially Oklahoma. They're going to be fighting that out for the last spot, and Cincinnati is going to get fucked over. This is ridiculous, right? What? Just expand the fucking playoff. It's ridiculous. Like, it just expand it to eight teams, man. There's no reason that Cincinnati should not get in if they win out. There is no reason they should not get in. It is going to be the Boise State effect all over. Boise State went undefeated basically for three years, and they didn't get shit. They didn't even get. They didn't even sniff. They never even sniffed a, a shot at the championship game. Uh, same thing happened to UCF a few years ago. And I think eventually there's got to be a reckoning with college football. The Yes, we get the inherent SEC bias. Yes, we get the whole Big Ten bias. They recruit better talent, quote-unquote, even though there's been a lot of great players, Andrew, that come out of Boise State, a lot of great players that come out of Cincinnati, a lot of great players that come out of some of these other schools. But, hey, the bias exists. They got to get past it, expand the damn playoff to eight. Eight teams and if anyone wants to make any arguments and anything like that go back and watch the georgia cincinnati game from last year cincinnati mm. georgia law georgia beat cincinnati by one on a field goal a georgia team which i found out today i was listening to joel clatt georgia has more five-star players on their roster than both the acc and pac-12 combined yep. they have more five-star recruits on their roster than two of the other power conferences combined. So Cincinnati can play with a team like that. And they proved it last year. Absolutely. And, like, look, and their schedule coming up, it's not going to help them, unfortunately. In the eyes of, like, the almighty committee, whoever they may be, you know, who they're playing. They're playing Tulsa, South Florida, SMU, which is probably going to be their most impressive win if they can win that game. Uh, And... Oh, then, then good old East Carolina. I feel so bad for East Carolina, man. They are like, they are like the gen- most generic ass team you face just to beat. 
Like, like that is the team you schedule just to beat them. Uh, Listen, but those corners, those corners, like those corners on Cincinnati. I've watched Cincinnati. Like I've watched pretty much every Cincinnati game this year. Desmond Ritter. I'm not gonna say Desmond Ritter is a sure fire, you know, top five pick, but Desmond mm. Ritter is. Desmond Ritter could potentially Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett, who's moved up the boards, like the the draft boards, and to be a first rounder. I'll tell you right now. As good as people might say, Kenny Desmond Ritter is better than Kenny Pickett, and I yeah. Kenny Pickett went to the same middle school as me. Like I, I should have bias towards him. He literally grew up in my county, like 15 minutes from where I live. Desmond Ritter is a better quarterback than Kenny Pickett, and he's going to show it at the Andrew, next level. Andrew, if you had to rank these teams one one to six, if you had to rank these teams one to six, what would your ranking be? Who gets in? Who gets out? Right right now. If I had to put them in, honestly, dude, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia proved they're number one. That that's the best defense in college yep. football. Georgia proved they're number one. Offense has come along. Number two, I wouldn't necessarily say Alabama at number two. I would maybe put Michigan State only because they're undefeated. They did just come off a top ten win against Michigan, but like I told you, they're they're gonna get dropped out once they go to Ohio State and lose. I yeah. think Ohio State is a little is a little – they're a little high given that their wins have not necessarily been great wins, and their one loss – yes, their one loss did come to Oregon, but that's a bad loss, dude. In college football, where you win and where you lose, that's a big deal. That win for Oregon should help Oregon a lot more than it should – no, it should hurt Ohio State a lot more than yeah. it helps Oregon because yeah. you're a big-time program. Losing on your home field – I watched Ohio State a few years ago get left out because they lost to Oklahoma on their home, on their home field. So that should work against you. Three, yeah. I put Cincinnati for being undefeated, and then number four, number four, I'd put uh, Oklahoma as the other undefeated team, and then Ohio State and Oregon, they could they could uh, they can a rematch in the uh, in the Rose Bowl. They can have a rematch yeah. in the Rose Bowl. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, number one, number one, Georgia. Number two, Alabama. For right now, like you said, number three, Michigan State. Number four deserves to be Cincinnati. No question about it. And then you can, and then I wouldn't even put Oregon number five. I would put, like you said, I would put Oklahoma number five because they're undefeated and they're fucking Oklahoma. No, they're number five. You, and, and then, like, you know, and then I don't care. You can put, okay, Oregon, Ohio State until Ohio State gets their win back in Michigan. And if they don't, okay, cool. Then Ohio State's not as good as we thought they were. Um, yeah. One other team, though, that I want. Michigan beats Ohio State because I looked at the schedule. Mm-hmm. If, if Michigan beats Ohio State, Michigan's going to go to the Big Ten Championship. They'll probably win it because the Big Ten West is so bad this year. Wisconsin and Iowa are not as good as they were at the beginning of the season. If Michigan State does win out, they get in. Ohio State, though, Ohio State has to drop below Cincinnati because that would be their second home loss of the year. I don't give a fuck that they came to two ranked opponents and everything like that. Cincinnati's win at Notre Dame should help them. It should help them. Ohio State losing two games at home, two home games, that's Ohio State. When you're yep. a team like that, you, you, you don't lose home games. You can't lose home games. And, and, you know, I, I just very quickly want to shout out a team that is definitely not going to get any love from the committee. And, look, their schedule I kind of get. But also, Wake Forest, I, I know they're in the ACC. I know they they don't have the best competition. They have been steamrolling teams, though. You, I, I, they, they're def, they definitely should be, I think, above nine 
I think they're, I genuinely think they're probably better than a Michigan team that has one loss at this point. I think they're better than Michigan at this point. Uh, but th- there's a lot of good teams. And I think it just, again, expand the playoff to eight teams and this wouldn't be an issue. This really wouldn't be an issue because then you would have the leverage to put a team, definitely like Cincinnati, in the college football playoff to compete for a title. Yeah, dude, it's, you know what it is? You know what they're doing is they're looking, the factors that they're using to create this stuff is they're looking at stuff like the recruiting rankings. They're looking oh, at Oh, it's like, so bad. That's like the yeah, dumbest thing. I'm like, has- look at, look at the players and look at the, who they're beating. That's it. That's it. I mean, Alabama, like the argument I heard for Alabama today was you put Alabama on a neutral setting against any of these teams, you know, Alabama beats them. That's Yet they fine. have a loss. Listen, Yet they have a listen, loss. <laughs> listen, listen. The year that Florida State won the national championship in 2013-2014, Jimbo Fisher admitted, admitted that that Alabama team would have beaten his quote-unquote historically dominant Florida State team because he looked at his roster, he looked at their roster, and he said, they're better than us. But on on a field, yeah, you could say, put the two teams on a field, who wins? Okay, you put any, any team on a field against Alabama, you could say Alabama wins. The fact of the matter was the teams didn't play. So you got Auburn played Florida State instead of Florida, instead of Alabama. Florida State won the national championship. That's the argument that I hear. You, you can't use that argument every single year to be like, oh, Alabama has to get in because if I put Alabama up against Michigan State, Alabama will be a 17-point favorite. If I put them up against Cincinnati, they'll be a 22-and-a-half-point favorite. You could say that about Alabama versus any team, though. But that, that's not what the argument is. When you look at resumes and stuff like that, it's not just, yeah, Alabama has this many first-rounders, this many five-star players on their team. So, therefore, even though they don't have as nice of a resume and they're not undefeated, we're going to mm-hmm. put them in anyway because head-to-head we think Alabama will beat this team. Do you, do you, and you want to know how subjective all of this really is, Andrew? I'm going to read out the top five, uh, the AP, the, all, the, the Associated Press top, five 20, uh, top 25 teams. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Cincinnati. Number three, Alabama. Number four, Oklahoma. Dude, it's all subjective. And the fact that we're letting one, like, committee that that generally people disagree with when they, when it comes to a lot of – like, a lot of fans, a lot of analysts even disagree with. I, they need to figure out something different, man. I don't know. Like, like – and they also got like weird people on there lately. Like, like Condoleezza Rice is, is is like she's the former Secretary of State of the United States is somehow uh you're like like on this thing like 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 I'm not saying she's not a she I'm just saying if she get if she can be on there she can be on there I think I think you and I got got a chance man you you and I definitely got a chance Condoleezza Rice probably can't name a single quarterback of the teams in the top four I can't tell I you don't think that. No, you, well, you know no no I mean she, no she definitely knows about like football. Like, the Browns were looking at her for uh, for her, the GM position a while back. You remember that? That was wild. Could you that's, imagine? They're, like, they're the, but that's that's the bronze. That would be. I'm not gonna lie to you. That would be a tough. Like as much as I don't like Conley's Rice in person, but that would be a tough resume. It's like Secretary of State of the United States, GM for the Cleveland Browns. Like that would be tough. That would be tough. But hey, it'd be like that. Uh, yo, speaking of the Browns, uh, Andrew. What do you make of the whole Odell situation? Um, Odell's o- being a diva. I'm just saying, man. No, come on. You have uh, OBS, Odell Beckham Sr., calling out the uh, Baker Mayfield, saying that his son's wide open, which he is a lot, um, and, and, and isn't throwing him the ball. 
and he's and now Odell is excused from practice for a private matter. Uh, he still wants to play. There's talks that he might get released, and it just seems like Odell and Baker, for whatever reason, they have just not worked together. Those two have not Odell been on the same page. Have Odell and Baker played enough games to be able to create? It's any also type a good question. I mean, have they question. played enough games together to be able to? I mean, how many games has Odell missed the past couple of years since Baker's been their quarterback? Just because Odell has, he physically hasn't been able to play. A lot, a lot. If I'll get, Landry, yeah. if he's throwing a Jarvis Landry and he's throwing a uh, Peoples Jones because those guys can stay on the field and he can create that chemistry, you know, it. That's just it. It kind of is what it is. Like, yeah, you could blame Baker. He's missing him. He's missing him when he's open and everything like that. I get that, but if they haven't created that kind of chemistry because Odell just hasn't been able to play enough for them to kind of create that chemistry, whether on the field, in the game, or in practice, then you really, you, you can't get, it's it's a two-way street. Like, you, Odell is also to blame for not, not being on the field. Yeah, that's a fair criticism, especially considering, like, Baker got him the ball in their first year in Cleveland. Like, first year, Odell played all 16 games, and he had he had over 1,000 yards. I think, I think he only had, like, three or four touchdowns. But, but you know, the, they were they were they seemed fine, and they, they seemed like they had something to build on. But since then, even in the small sample size Odell has played, though, I think it has become apparent that for whatever reason, Baker just doesn't or can't get him the ball. And, and it, it's weird sometimes because you do see Odell kind of streaking sometimes which is crazy um and you know it might just be a thing where maybe maybe it's a thing where Odell uh, or Baker doesn't want to play with him or doesn't want to throw the ball to him I doubt that's the reason because I don't think Baker Mayfield is that kind of guy I also think Odell is kind of past the point where he's not running routes because obviously he's running successful routes he's open um so I don't think it's like a, a personal issue between them I think it's just more so what the offense has evolved into I think Baker just has I think he likes sh- like shorter faster receivers rather than you know kind of uh like you know bigger targets. He likes people he can get the ball to quicker. Um and you know Odell's a bigger body but they also don't run the I think the right routes with him sometimes. Uh, I don't know. I, it could be a lot of things. All I do know is that man, I'm just saying if Odell it gets cut, if Odell Beckham Jr gets cut by the Browns this year and winds up on the Chiefs Man, I am like like I'm, we are starting a petition. Like the Chiefs can no longer like they need to be banned from trades. They need to be banned from from you know picking up free agents. Like like it is just if Odell Beckham Jr. after all this shit winds up on the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm done with football. Like legitimately, I'm done with football. Yeah. Welcome to Real Take Vent Talk with Andrew and uh, Omar Gracie. Uh Andrew. How are the oh yeah, I I fucked that whole thing up. Andrew, how are the Knicks doing? We are down six right now with two twenty no two forty six left in the third quarter. Tell you what, Indiana Indiana has shot the lights out from three tonight. They've been it literally every time I look up, I'm seeing Indiana fucking swish a three. We did fight back though. We were down by about sixteen at one point. We did fight back. R.J. Barrett's got twenty one. Yep. Um. R.J. Barrett has been balling the fuck out. If New York is going anywhere, I saw somebody the other day, or maybe it was today, um, Mike Woodson, former coach of the New York Knicks, did mention, now Indiana University basketball coach, uh, did mention that the Knicks will, as much as Julius Randle's key, the Knicks will only go as far as R.J. Barrett can take them because his growth, his growth is literally the difference between the Knicks being a first-round potential exit 
or them getting to an Eastern Conference Finals because that's just one additional scorer that you have. You already have Fournier. You already have Julius Randle. You already have Kemba Walker. And, you know, you bring in a guy like R.J. Barrett who still has exponential, like he still has so much room to grow being 21 years old. He's establishing himself as one of the best defensive players in the entire NBA. You go along with all defense and a guy that can give you 21, 22, 23 points a night. The Knicks are going places with that. Okay. I'm proud of him. him. All right, Andrew, I'm going to get you on. I'm going to get you on record for this. Who goes to the NBA uh, NBA finals prediction? Who wins? Who are the two teams? Uh, the New York Knicks and the, uh, you know what? I, I, I would go out on a limb and I would say coming out the West, uh, so I'm going to say Knicks Warriors. Knicks Warriors. See, I like the Warriors, man. I think they got depth. That team has depth. And if Clay can come back and he doesn't even need to be a hundred percent of what he used to be because his game doesn't really dictate too much. He really never really needed athleticism to be Clay Thompson. Like, cause he, cause he was never like going to be like that guy who just dunks and like, like, he, like he's just a spot up shooter. I think if they get Clay Thompson back and keep playing the way they are and, and Wiseman and all these guys develop and Steph just does what he does, they are going to give the Lakers a run for their money for sure. Uh, the Lakers, the Lakers have a lot of questions to answer. Like number one, uh, yeah, the Lakers oh have to God. figure out how are the Lakers with a bunch of 36 and 37 year olds who don't want to run up and down the court. How are they going to, um, keep up with a team like Oklahoma city or uh, Sacramento where the dudes are all our age and those dudes can run forever. How, how are, how is, how are the Lakers going to, uh, going to do that? Can I ask you a question? Stop. If LeBron, if, if LeBron James was on this show right now, like right now, what would you say to him? I need some bread. (laughs) Oh, yes, he does. Yeah, and I think we all do. And if you want to give Andrew some bread, if you want to give me some bread, buy us a cup of coffee. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash real take sports. Become a patron. Help out the show. If you also just want to help uh, help uh, the channel grow, which will eventually, hopefully one day, inshallah, lead to bread, uh, hit that like button. Smash that subscribe button and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever new videos release. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Keep the conversation going on Twitter at Real Take Sports. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram real at Real Take Sports Talk. Check out Real Take Sports Talk every single Wednesday, hopefully. Check out Real Take Wrestle Talk. If you're a wrestling fan, we talk AEW, WWE, all that jazz on Real Take Wrestle Talk Tuesday nights. Also, do got we got a bunch of live streams, all that kind of stuff in between. So much fun, so much time, 62 episodes. Andrew, final thoughts. Bet the house on Dallas this weekend. Really? Bet the house on Dallas? Who are they playing? Uh, That's a good question. Why do I feel like they're playing the Eagles? Wait, did you just say bet the house on Dallas? Oh, they're playing the Broncos. Yeah, bet the house on Dallas. Yeah, bet the house on Dallas. Bet the house on Dallas. They're playing the Broncos without Von Miller. Bet the house on Dallas. All right, cool. That's it. Coast, I can totally co-sign. Hell, bet bet the house on Dallas for the next couple of weeks. I'm looking at their schedule right now. Uh, it it only it only gets uh, goes up from here. I uh, got the Broncos, the Falcons after that, the Chiefs. Uh, on on Thanksgiving. Uh, Without Dak, yeah. I don't know. With yeah, Dak, that's, with Dak, it's a done deal. Without Dak, I don't know.
Oh uh, no, they're gonna, Dak's gonna be back by the Chiefs game. He's gonna be back by Thanksgiving. Uh, and then it gets a little harder. Watch this to- whole thing. Watch this whole thing be so fucked up. Like people are sitting up here like, oh, this is a lost season for Kansas City. I'm like, no, this is because because watch Kansas City get a top five pick. Watch them draft like the next fucking like they'll draft like Derek Stingley, the cornerback out of fucking LSU. Yeah. They'll have the offense. Now they'll have an actual lockdown corner to somewhat shore up their suspect defense. And then watch them win fucking 14 games next year. It's very possible. It's very possible. Anyway, I already did the outro, though. Glad to hear from Andrew's final thoughts. Until next time, guys, keep it real.